as it scales, yeah. fewer and fewer of the good ideas come from headquarters and more and more of the innovation occurs in the front lines. Yep. And so an organization has to shift from, look, I, I had this idea that was the genesis of this entire organization. Right. Uh, I'm amazing. And people are like, well, what are you going to do next? And it's very hard to say, well, I'm going to go ask my people what they're seeing. Welcome again to It Doesn't Take a Genius, conversation with introspective perspectives and pithy points of view. Here are your hosts, my friends, Max and Marty. I think that's Mark and Mike. Yeah, whatever. Ramsey! Marshall, I hope you're having a great Lego day. Oh, and the same to you, my mini fig. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, yes, uh, any day with Legos is a good day. Uh, that, that's correct. That is absolutely correct. Uh, most I, definitely. I uh, I don't know if I ever told you this, but all of my childhood Legos were in a tote uh, and stolen uh, out of uh, one of my houses when I was moving. Uh... Yep. So, and I'm telling you, like, not looking at the cost of um, antique Legos, if we can call them that thousands of dollars thousands of dollars i mean tiny sets but i had stuff i had pre-minifigure lego that was yeah just oh it's it's tragic but anyway we're, we're here to talk about lego as it turns out oh yeah one and more specifically uh innovation yeah uh, you know when you when you look at lego the juggernaut that it is now and the lego stores and the yep. lego conventions and the lego movie yep. uh, you know you're thinking oh man this is you know, this thing's always been amazing, and we almost uh, had a world without Lego uh, in the in the 2000s. They they were yep. you know on the edge of bankruptcy. Yep, and we saw that coming. Those of us, you know, so I'm a you know I'm a child of the 80s, and uh, and there was a period of of just really dynamic growth. And if you watch the first Lego movie, you'll see some of the uh, some some of that. Uh, shows up in a scene where they do a bunch of quick cuts of different lego worlds mm -hmm. and one of the worlds is fabuland you know i had fabuland lego fabuland was like anthropom anthropomorphic um minifigures that were like mice and foxes and stuff like that that had like sets where they were farming and things like that it was it was so bizarre but it was like they were trying some really really wild stuff for a long time and then, then there's just this period kind of in the 90s, late 90s, you started thinking, man, I don't, like, is there any gas left in the tank? And um, turns out there was, just not necessarily from inside Lego, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I had the opportunity, and 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 I knew you were an aficionado, uh, you know, so trying to you know, increase my pop culture world knowledge, I watched the a Lego Brickumentary. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and it's old, it's from, I think, 2014, uh, but I hadn't seen it before, and and they were and the the whole thing was talking about, you know, how do you turn a, how do you turn this this company around, right? They were flailing around, like as you said, they lost energy, they would lost uh, momentum, and it was interesting though. There were still these incredibly active users, these incredibly passionate fans, these advocates outside of Lego world or you know the Lego company that we're still innovating and doing stuff with the with the brick yep. and so uh, you know the lego company was very hesitant 
uh, you know, they had their own, you know, they had an entire building of designers, Lego designers to come right. up with ideas for what's going to be the next Lego product. And uh, they were so hesitant to to entertain any ideas uh, from their fans, uh, from the yeah. people who were building every day with uh, with their product. And and at some point, uh, they begin to just slowly start to to go. Okay, what if we went and figured out what the public wants? And we know what the public wants because it's what they're building. It's what they're spending their time and money on. Yeah. And maybe go with that trend, uh, and uh, you, you know it goes to my old saying: if I see a whole bunch of people going down the street, my goal is to get in front of them so it looks like a parade in my honor. <laughs> and so you know, Lego, same thing. All right, all these people are going this direction. What if we ran out and got in front of them? Uh, you know, yeah. gave them some credit for the idea, and then ultimately, you know, you know. Uh, you know, made the profits, uh, you know, rejuvenated the company and, and spoke to an audience that's literally built what they want to see and what they want to purchase. Yeah. And you and I were talking about some examples of that. And and I, I guess let me, let me stop for a minute and just say, before we keep talking about Lego, this very much applies to your workspace. This this is uh, part and parcel to every organization out there that there there is a front line somewhere and you have some things to learn from that front line that will will help uh, rejuvenate and and allow you to innovate um, within your mm-hmm. your organization, whatever it is. So we're we're going to come back to the principles there, but but just to give a few more examples, um, I homeschool. Uh, my wife and I homeschool our children. If you go to the homeschool convention, you're going to see some of this kind of stuff um, that we, we talk about mocks, uh, Lego mocks, MOCs my own creation mm-hmm. people coming up with some um some really wild stuff uh that lego probably wouldn't produce anyway some of which is weapons so at the at the homeschool convention you're going to uh occasionally see uh one of the guys who has a booth producing you know uh injection molded or resin produced or 3d printed uh weapons like you know m16s and uzis and like like the the stuff of my dreams as a kid, right? Like we were always making, you know, like they they sold like the the flashlight. You know, we were always turning the flashlight into either a lightsaber or a ray gun. You know, like it was one of the two. But but now you can you know you can go buy these third party uh, pieces uh, that are produced like that. I actually have a um, a game sitting over here on the shelf uh, that was a Kickstarter campaign. And it's it's basically like a, a war game around uh, you know sort of like Japanese anime style mech robots, and uh, it's it's all done with Lego. So so they had a they had a guy who came up with a rule set, and then they had this other guy doing mocks of anime style mechs who uh, had all these really innovative designs. He was actually breaking some of the internal Lego rules about how you would put certain bricks together so that he could make these designs look a little more Japanese and streamlined. Well, it was a mega hit. Like it just, you know, I, I can't remember how much money it raised, but uh, tons of money, uh, you know, got some celebrity involvement. And so there was money to be made, um, just none of it by Lego at that point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. People were making money with their product. At the same point, they're going bankrupt. 
And when you think about it, right, one of the things that that I enjoy about that story about about the third party vendor creating weapons. So Lego Lego would make space guns and they would make six shooters for their Western characters, but they wouldn't make any modern weaponry, which was them living their values. That's right. And so they said, this does not align with our values. Yes, there's tons of money to be made from it, but we're not going to go there. Uh, But there were countless other examples where people were doing stuff that did align with their values and they weren't uh, willing to accept that innovation. Um, So in the in the brickumentary, they they talk about, you know, know, one of the iconic sets now is the architecture series. And, you know, every famous building that, you know, you could. Yeah, you got the the tower tower right behind me. Yeah. So. So that came about. There was a there was a, an actual architect uh, who designed some of the famous buildings that we all are aware of, and uh, he was building these Legos versions of these buildings, and he thought they would sell. Right? He thought it was a good idea, and he, he got a hold of Lego and told them what he was doing. They went, "Nah, we don't think so. <laughs> There's no market yep. for that." So this guy went out. He bought boxes he had labels printed with the you know he created a a a building right created the sets bagged them boxed them labeled them took them to a lego convention 300 sets that he had personally put out the money to to create and then (laughs) sold them all the first day (laughs) like like we're all coming right and the lego guys were there going hey yeah this is uh yeah and so i'm sure they went back to headquarters i got this great idea boss (laughs) architecture series <laughs> visionary yeah how do you come up with these ideas uh, you know but literally the the customer had to prove to the company that more people wanted this uh, yeah. you know he spent his time his money his energy his creative talent to prove to the company this this will work uh, right people yeah. want this well, and in business we see so many of these these ideas where where the customer or the frontline employees, the people who are your your people on your team who are talking to the customers every single day, that's all they do is talk with customers and they know, yeah. uh, right? they, they're in touch with these folks. They know the pulse. They know that what the, the, what the customers are wanting, right? what they don't want. And, and can I build an organization that is accepting and even goes out and looks uh, for these ideas from their frontline people. Yeah. 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 Huge. I, I think about um, what well, you, you gave the architecture series, you know, as an example, An, another one is uh, uh, Bricklink, which is essentially eBay for Lego parts. You know, they, th- there was such a, such a demand for, um, you know, man, I'd really like to make this thing that doesn't exist, but I'll need like 10 of these bricks there's actually a brick now known as the Travis brick. And it was because there was a guy named Travis who sadly passed away uh, very early on, but uh, it was this very distinct piece that he had uh, figured out a, a lot of uses for. And so this, this brick just took off. Um, but only on the third party site Bricklink, where you could go buy five gajillion pieces of this because people would, you know, post their used Lego on there for sale, you know, eBay style. Well, Eventually, the Lego stores started, you know, having this wall of uh, bricks at the back of the store where you could buy stuff in bulk. And and one of the things that you could often buy in bulk was the Travis brick. And again, it was, uh, you know, uh, something that you would have 
if you had been looking, you would have very easily seen, oh my, there is a huge amount of interest here. Uh, there's, there's, it, it didn't take too much to connect the dots, right? To say, oh, mm -hmm. if we made more of these bricks, we would sell these bricks. It was just the fact that you had to have your radar up to say, oh, did you see that there's this website where people are paying a premium to go buy bricks from other people, even cobbling together orders from like five different vendors so that they could fulfill all the, you know, bricks that they needed of a certain type. I mean, it was that level of crazy town because people, the bricks were in such demand. So just having your radar up to go notice things like that. Oh, yeah. And when you think about it, right, a company in the throes of bankruptcy yeah, facing imminent demise, yep. and yet the that pain was still not enough <laughs> for them to go looking and for them to be open to these ideas. Yeah, uh, you know, and people had to literally just 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 keep beating down their door with with you know you know this is what this is what the people want, and then you look at you look at the transformation now. The company is doing incredibly well, and and they've completely embraced. Yeah. and brought into house uh, you know this uh, you know they you know they were talking about ideas.lego.com and so yeah. you can create some cool lego uh, creation which i have a couple of examples behind me yep they're awesome uh, these, these are the the 2023 uh, user created uh, ideas that were accepted by lego and will now become lego sets um, so you go, you create your creation, you take some photos, you submit it uh, to ideas.lego.com. And then if it gets 10,000 votes by the, the users on the website, then it automatically gets reviewed by the Lego board for possible inclusion into production. And, uh, you know, you, there's a, you get uh, the creator, if their uh, creation is accepted, it goes into production, gets 1%. Uh, for every set that's sold uh, which i bet is a decent amount of change I, yeah. I think some of these are limited edition but i bet that's a good amount of money yeah you could you know you could see if the set was mildly acceptable you know sold a few thousand uh, you, you know there was uh like fifteen thousand twenty thousand dollars that the, you know but when they talked to the creators who had done this none of them did it for the money <laughs> yeah oh no 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 like no, like this was my passion project i created this art yeah. and i wanted to to get it out to the world and this was the way to do it and the money was like they were like kind of like well yeah that was nice but i created this thing right. <laughs> and now the whole world gets to see it uh yeah. so you know you start to think about other businesses that have applied this idea mm -hmm. uh, you, you know the, the first one i think of you know we've talked about toyota and they're, they're Kaizen, and, and they know that the people running the machines on the production line, the people yeah. you know putting the cars together, are the ones who are going to figure out better ways to do yeah. that. If That's Bimba, right? Yeah, yeah. If they create the environment that, that, A, I want these ideas, these ideas are valued, and B, they go asking, you know, they go looking for it. Right. And, and asking people for, the, you know, for their ideas, their thoughts around how do we... Uh, how do we make this, you know, improve the quality and improve the efficiency, the speed and that type of thing? Yeah. Um, and in turn, yeah, you've got this juggernaut of a company, uh, wildly profitable. All these ideas coming back from their their frontline team members. Yeah. And and what's powerful about the Toyota example, I, and I think Gimba, I think, means literally like, like the place where it happens or the actual place. It, it, you know, it's basically encouraging leadership to like go where the thing is actually occurring 
Um, and that could be the problem or it could be the innovation, right? Um, but, a, you know, tour a, a Toyota factory and you will see this being played out right in front of you. And I think we've talked about this before that at the Kentucky plant where they've built the Avalon, the Camry, the Sienna, there's a Lexus being built there. I think um, several several new very cool things are coming that I'm not sure are public yet. But the, the, um, the Toyota plant in Kentucky uses bass boat chairs like they figured out that you know that is the perfect little swivel seat for some of the things that they had to do there you know trust me that came from a redneck you know that that came from a Kentucky boy <laughs> you know the Japanese didn't show up with that and and it's and it's perfect uh because it solves the problem that was right there in front of them about you know how they uh it, you know it's a whole thing about you know what they were trying to prevent there in terms of mutilation of vehicles and so on but um, but but it but again, it takes some humility, right, to be able to come out of the office and say, "Hey guys, uh, what would fix this? You know, what would make this better? What would be the innovation here that would take us to the next level?" And I'll give the counter example, uh, and I don't mind bringing up the name because uh, my dad was a part of the company, and I was sad when it went away. General Motors screwed up with Saturn. Saturn oh. had this amazing little um idea for how to run a, a retail organization uh, for uh, car dealerships and also how to make cars and spring hill tennessee was this you know phenomenal factory where people were energized and so on and so forth it was very in engaging and uh, they made a car that was okay um the l series just a little little four-door sedan there was a two-door version i had one and i loved it and it wasn't a great car you know, it was a good car. It wasn't a great car, but but the whole experience of of uh, purchasing the car and how uh, clever they had been about uh, what the car uh, was built like, I I just loved it. Oh, and yeah. so they went to Spring Hill and said, "Hey, what should be car number two, Saturn employees?" And Saturn employees, I'm told, said, "Oh, we need we need like an SUV, but a small one." That's exactly what our customers who are turned on to us and so loyal to us. Remember, they were so loyal that the sitcom Ellen did a, an episode making fun of how cult-like they were. Like it was like the Jupiter or the Venus car, you know, making fun of Saturn uh, customers. And GM said, uh, how about instead of a small SUV, whatever that would be, how about instead we rebadge a bigger sedan? And that's what they did. And it was the L series and it was a dog. It was not a great car. And then, um, you know, fast forward and, uh, you know, in 1999, uh, Ford comes out with this thing called the escape and it sells like gangbusters. And after the fact, you know, you get the, the Saturn view and the, the, the rebadges of that, the Equinox and so on, they missed it. They, they missed it. They could have been, uh, the ones right at the forefront at the bleeding edge of exactly what the market wanted and uh and gm did not have i believe the humility to listen to what those employees mm -hmm. were saying who were on the front line and knew what the innovation should be oh Most yeah yeah they yeah there there was they were tone deaf to the to their people yeah 
And one one of the things that's interesting about Saturn, I just learned the, not too long ago, and and having worked with the brand as well, you know, a huge fan. Every car company in America is trying to get back to where Saturn was. That's exactly. In terms right. of customer loyalty, customer experience, um, you know, the the demographics of their customers, they're all trying to get back there. And 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 GM had it, and they couldn't keep themselves from destroying it. Yep. Uh, so something I learned that I didn't know was. Saturn actually started not as a GM company. It was started by some, for some former GM executives. Mm. So some GM executives got together, created this car company, and then you know GM saw it and bought it from the executives. So it started as a you know this little guerrilla marketing you know idea, and uh, and so GM bought it and it had its own. They had their own engine, their own plant, uh, their own car design, and they had their uh, their own arrangement with the UAW, uh, right? Yes. So they, they were the 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 union was not in, you know, the regular union was not involved, regular GM was not involved. It was literally a standalone, you know, it had its just own distribution. And at some point, GM could not help but just, you know, just take control of it. Let's start building them other places. Let's give them this engine from this car, rebadging platforms. And at some point, the UAW said, no, we got to be in there. And so they, they brought the UAW in with its rules and regulations that didn't fit the, the Saturn production model. And they killed the whole thing, right? Just strangled it with their, with their inability to say, maybe these people have a better idea and we can go with it. Uh, and, and I promise you that those Saturn customers would still be loyal. Like if, if Saturn oh. came back, like they'd buy it in a heartbeat. I, I remember uh, calling on a store that was uh, uh, given the, uh, the Saturn, the, excuse me, the Saturn authorized service provider badge mm -hmm. when Saturn finally was, uh, you know, the, the plug was pulled, who's going to service these cars. We still have to honor that warranty. Well, you know, this, was a luxury dealership that had been awarded the uh, that that badge on the same campus as the Saturn dealership that was now out of business, mm -hmm. and the Saturn dealer the Saturn customers would pull into this luxury uh, service lane and get out and get this luxury experience and still complain. You know, I just I wish Saturn was. I I just wish you could. You know, and what what they did was so different. And, um, so, you know, it went on for years that way. Oh, it's yeah. Crazy. It's crazy. But, and you look at that and you, and, you, and you look at, okay, we, you know, the, the lack of humility, uh, the, the preponderance of ego. Uh, and you look at an example like Toyota, you, Toyota, you, you know, and you see, okay, what happens when I embrace it? Uh, and then yeah. uh, another one would be Whole Foods. So if, if you're a manager at Whole Foods, you get to, you get final say on who you hire. Uh, you get to decide what you stock in your department. And lo and behold, right? Premium prices, premium customers, premium experience, mm. uh, because they have total control over, uh, you know, you know, or a much greater autonomy to, to run their departments. Empowered. Um, and you think about it, it goes all the way down to, I think we may have talked about it even in, a, in the most recent episode where, uh, where uh, myself and a manager were, were looking at a, a, a sales prospect that had come in, uh, you know, via the online inquiry. And we were brainstorming what to do with it. And we came up with what we thought were some pretty good ideas. 
And then we, uh, we assigned it to a salesperson. Salesperson comes over and, and, uh, you know, being good coaches, uh, we didn't tell him what to do. We said, all right, so here's, here's what you've got. What would you do with this? And his idea was a thousand times better than ours. (laughs) Like it was embarrassing how obviously better what he had thought to do with this customer in order to get them on board than what me and the manager at even remotely come up with and uh yeah we had to just sit there and go well yeah yeah, that that would be good too (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, you can do that yeah yeah no well i'd run with that uh, you know and just you know and and it it happens over and over and over right if you'll if you'll engage your people sincerely ask it right so what else could we do with this right what would you do what have you seen that 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 can make this you know more you know work better you know differently you know how can we improve this they will have ideas if they believe you sincerely want to hear them and that there's any remote chance that you might act upon it yeah you know, and I think that's one of the fears. Managers are like, well, I can't have the tail wagging the dog, right. you know, and I, I have value. I'm a manager. I'm supposed to. They pay me to come up with the good ideas. Yeah. No, yeah. they they pay you to get stuff done. That's right. And if you can get stuff done easier by using your employees' ideas, they'll just think you're a genius. That's, that's exactly <laughs> right. You'll be worth immensely more to the company. Yeah, and and companies that really get this, you know, Lego gives one percent to the designer for those mm-hmm. uh, special projects under Lego Ideas. Toyota gives a cut of the savings uh, to the the team members who came up with a process improvement enhancement. So uh, w- the funny thing is, is that's really not what this podcast is about. Is is not suggesting, you know, oh, you need to financially honor all of that. What we're suggesting is, why don't you go do it? Why don't you go? Uh, create an environment where you're looking at the front lines and engaging them in conversation and saying, what do you see? What are the opportunities here? It's that simple. Doing that on a regular basis, making it safe to do that uh, by, uh, when I say safe, I just mean that that you're going to act on it. You're going to acknowledge it and and at least, you know, entertain it. Um, that's innovation. That's a, that's a game changer. Oh, yeah. And I believe our good friend, uh, Dr. Dan Edgar, uh, Mr. PhD doctor, not, you know, the oh, kind yeah. that helps people, uh, the, uh, <laughs> that was mean, sorry, Dan, the, uh, but I believe his, I believe the, the main focus of his thesis was that the innovation happens on the edges. Hmm. And, and, but he also found that, that it had to do with the age of the organization. Mm-hmm. So when you first start a company, the good ideas come from the founder. Uh, yeah. Right. So you got Sergey and you know whoever you know you got Steve and Wozniacki and they and these guys they got the they got the big ideas, and that works as it scales. Yeah. Fewer and fewer of the good ideas come from headquarters, and more and more of the innovation occurs in the front lines. Yep. And so an organization has to shift from look, I I had this idea that was the genesis of this entire organization. Uh, I'm amazing. And people are like, well, what are you going to do next? And it's very hard to say, well, I'm going to go ask my people what they're seeing, Yep. (laughs) you know, and, and, and take that feedback and, and allow that to, to, to help us to grow and stay in touch with our customers. So, so that, that idea of at some point it tips, 
where it goes mm -hmm. from the, the 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 mothership has all the ideas to the ideas the best ideas are now happening out in the in the hinterlands and and look and having the courage to look at the data and go all right so their numbers are great all right they're selling a bunch of this they're doing something different here right but send the team out not to squash them for not following the process right let's go find out what are you doing and is that replicatable across the whole organization spot on it, it leadership gets insulated the bigger you get so mm -hmm. you, you've got to do something to cut through that yeah yeah simon cynics uh you know uh he he talks about that he'll ask a ceo of a fortune 500 company you know what's your number one job and it's it's like to provide a great customer experience and he's like when was the last time you talked to a customer that's right, that's <laughs> like, right. you when was the last time you waited on a customer <laughs> no that's yeah. not your job your job is to is to you know create this environment where we we take care of the customer and figure out what's what would serve them best next, right? What's the innovation that, that would help us the most? Whether it's where it's how to handle an individual sales prospect all the way down up to what's the major product launch that, 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 that would keep us relevant, keep us profitable moving forward. Yeah, love this. And, and I, uh, I really, for me, this whole thing boils down to a mindset of, um, I'm gonna be a learner, I'm gonna be humble, mm -hmm. I'm gonna be open and, um, you know, it turns out, by the way, that all the stuff we're talking about that's going to give you this innovation, uh, bleeding edge, uh, you know, advantage um, also makes your employees more engaged. So this is a win win for all parties involved. And I, I hope people take this seriously because this this truly is something that can transform an organization. Oh, yeah. And if we were to ask the most innovative man in the world, he would say, stay curious, my friend. Are, are you talking about John Wolf? Yes, yes, John Wolf, the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> the uh, uh, Mr. Wolf, uh, take it away, sir. So go ahead and tweet that, or share it any other way you want. As always, there are no rights reserved, no trademarks, no copyrights. Share it if you want to, and join us next time on It Doesn't Take a Genius. That's good enough.